the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 26th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 26, 2020, one year ago today, NBA legend Kobe Bryant. If you follow basketball at all, you would know who he is or was. He and his 13-year-old daughter and seven others were killed when their helicopter plunged into a steep hillside in dense morning fog. Southern California, he was 41 years old. That was one year ago today. They had been to a church. He was a Catholic. He and his daughter and some of her friends and some of their parents were in this helicopter together. They had gone to a church in Glendale, I think it was, and um, then they were flying to a basketball game or something uh, somewhere else, and um, it was a good day. They were having a good time from all reports until this tragic accident. Today in 1788, the first European settlers in Australia, led by Captain Arthur Phillip, they landed in what is today Sydney. Today in 1907, Congress passed the Tillman Act that prohibited corporations from making direct campaign contributions to federal election candidates. Today in 1961, President John F. Kennedy appointed Dr. Janet G. Travell to be his personal physician. She was the first woman to hold that job. Today in 1988, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Phantom of the Opera opened on Broadway. Today in 1992, Democrat presidential candidate Bill Clinton, he appeared with his wife Hillary on CBS, 60 Minutes. You probably remember this. <clears throat> they were asking him about some of his indiscretions. He said, well... I'm quoting him. Well, he said, I acknowledge that I have caused pain in my marriage. But he said with a stronger voice, those problems are past problems and they're not relevant to my political campaign. That was today in 1992. Today in 1998, six years later to the day, President Bill Clinton forcefully denied having an affair with former White House intern telling the world and the reporters, looking at the camera, shaking his finger, he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Today in 2009, Nadia Suleiman gave birth at Kaiser Permanente in Bellflower, uh, California, Medical Center, she gave birth to six boys and two girls, eight kids. The public became kind of critical of her when they learned her story. They learned that she was unemployed, living on welfare, a single mother, and had gotten pregnant with the octuplets and six other children who were also living with her through in vitro fertilization. 14 kids. 
That's probably enough. I love kids with all my heart. I truly do. Love our kids. I just love kids. But man, a single mom living on welfare, 14 kids by in vitro fertilization. The New York Post has a story this morning. You know Mike Lindell, that guy that's always on television selling pillows, mypillow.com guy? Um, he's very conservative, and he's come out as a conservative, um, particularly during this last election cycle. Well, the New York Post is uh, reporting this morning that he has been permanently banned from Twitter. He has several million followers on Twitter. He's been banned from Twitter for life. And when asked why by one of the reporters from the New York Post, and there are others that are now covering this, I noticed just a few moments ago, um, when asked why, they said it is for, quote, I'm quoting Twitter, repeated violations. But they didn't go into what the repeated violations were, but it's pretty evident that uh, he has publicly said that he believes there was fraud in the election. And that, of course, has become an unpardonable sin to the big social media, the big tech people. If you say out loud that you believe there were there was fraud in this last election, that's really the grounds for them to remove you from those platforms that are supposed to be available to everyone. That's why the federal government carved out this um, <laughs> this wonderful situation that they have where they're immune to lawsuits, among other things. Republican lawmakers are also raising some questions this morning about Twitter. Twitter announced last night and again this morning that they have a new crowdsourced anti-misinformation feature called Birdwatch. And you'll be hearing about this if you're on Twitter, and a lot of you are. Uh, you'll be familiar with this if you're not already. They've been making a big deal out of it last night and again this morning. But this allows users to add notes to other people's tweets that they believe are false. And Twitter says this is an attempt to add context for other users. On Birdwatch, no account, no tweet is exempt from being noted or annotation. That means that users can add context, quote-unquote, to tweets posted by news outlets, reporters, elected officials, or your neighbor. You could simply go on there and say, this isn't true, because I believe so-and-so, and here's what I found. Birdwatch allows users to identify information in tweets that they believe are misleading or false, Twitter says, and write notes or notations to those tweets in a way that they feel is providing informative context. What they're doing is encouraging people to spy on one another. I've seen this in communist countries. I've been there. They just didn't have, when I was in those places, they didn't have social media. But they're doing it now. But this is exactly what Twitter is encouraging people to do, is to spy on each other and go after each other on social media. They're encouraging you to watch your neighbor and see what they say and then report on them publicly. Ted Cruz just went off yesterday when he heard about this to the press. And he's been a leading voice in the Senate on this issue of big tech and free speech. He just really slammed Twitter. Part of what he said, he 
He said, I'm quoting Ted Cruz, empowering self-proclaimed fact-checkers, leftist Silicon Valley billionaires to dictate what is misleading only confirms what the American people already know to be true. Big tech is designating itself to be the sole arbiter of truth and is using its power to silence dissent. That's exactly right. We're going to be seeing more of that, not less of that. Why the Republicans won't stand up to this, I don't know. Certainly there are a few. Cruz is one of them. Hawley, there's several that are. But why are the Republicans shrinking back so much into the shadows now? They seem to be lost, like a herd lost in the night. They don't know what to do. They're a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mitch McConnell goes, yeah, we should impeach Trump. We, we have to do the right thing. Does he think that's the path to re-election? I don't know. That's where we are, and that's what's happening. Do you ever wonder sometimes, if, is this whole thing going to stay together? You do, because I read your notes. These are troubled times. These are perilous times. A person that says they're not would be terribly uninformed or just plain not telling the truth. But let me give you some truth. There's a lot of truth. Often it's printed between two leather covers. It's called the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 33, 27. This is not a verse that we often refer to, but we often remember. In fact, some of the old gospel songs, one of them in particular was written from this verse. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is thy refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. The enemies will evaporate, because God is in control. Remember that song? Uh, maybe you don't, but I, I do. As a kid growing up in church, we sang these gospel songs, you know, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Bible study, Tuesday night, on and on. We went to church all the time, man. I mean, we were just there all the time. We used to sing this song. I don't remember all the words, but it goes, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm, safe and secure from all alarm, leaning on the everlasting arm. Well, that's what that's where that gospel song came from. It was from this verse. <clears throat> leaning on the everlasting arms, safe and secure from all alarm, not just the perpetrators, but just the alarm of the perpetrators. Sometimes we get so afraid of what people are doing out there, that we just, we become panicked. We can become immobilized from fear. But, you know, God is saying here to his people, and this is intended for you too, because God and me, because God has preserved this, because it's his word, his infallible word. And he's saying to us, as he was to those people of that day through Moses, he's saying to us today, that, hey, I'm going to deliver you from the alarm of the perpetrators, from the alarm from the problem, the alarm of the enemy, not just the enemy themselves. That's a real assurance from the God who spoke into existence the entire universe, the God that is in control as we speak of everything that's happening in the expanse universe, we don't even know how big the universe is. We cannot comprehend that. He's in control of it. 
and he's in control of your life and the events in your life. And God wants good for you, not bad, not evil. He has your best interests in his very heart of hearts because he gave his only begotten son. I know that because we hear it, some of us hear it so often in our Christian circles. But stop and take a deep breath and think that the God who created on a clear night in eastern Washington or central where the lights aren't like the cities, you can see a billion stars. And that's just those that are close by. And it all works in perfect harmony. We launch our spaceships, and if they perform right mechanically, they go up through, they make their way up around the circles of the Earth and the moon and all that, and boom. I mean, everything, it's predictable because God created it that way. And scientists, some of them who deny there is a God, count on God's creative action to put their spaceship in the right place at the right time. That God is in control of all things. All things. So our our task is just to, to kind of lean on the everlasting arms. And he's going to not only help you through these difficult times, and he will, but he's going to help you from the alarm that these difficult times create in our lives. Well, this isn't Sunday morning, but... I thought we all needed to hear that, myself included. Have you been wondering what Donald Trump is doing? A lot of people have been. There's been a lot of chatter out there on the on the uh, social media and elsewhere. Well, <laughs> there's a little story coming out of Florida. I'll just share it with you uh, out of interest. Former President Donald Trump created an official post-presidency office yesterday in his first public step toward future moves. Newsmax, The Hill, others are reporting this this morning. They say the office of the former president was established in Palm Beach County, Florida. That's where that resort is that he owns, where he's at. Maybe he's going to live there now. I don't know. But anyway, that's where they are, at Mar-a-Lago. Anyway, this new office, they said in a statement that was released, public statement, This new office will be responsible for managing President Trump's correspondence, public statements, appearances, and official activities to advance the interests of the United States and to carry on the agenda of the Trump administration through advocacy, organizing, and public activism, according to this statement. Now, I just want to pause. You're going to see the the press just go after him like, like a pack of wolves because they don't think he should be doing that. They've already, I've I've seen one story this morning, I'm sure there are others, but I saw one this morning where they were already attacking him, saying, I dare him go on and do this. But this is exactly what Barack Obama's been doing since he left office. Two very different standards. But anyway, that's what Trump's going to do. The press release said, President Trump will always and forever be a champion for the American people. Now, last Friday... Trump made the comment they were quizzing him. They said, what are you going to do? What's next? He said, Trump said last Friday, he said, we'll do something, but not just yet. Well, um, he's starting to do something, apparently. 
And the um, he's been suspended permanently from Twitter, as you know, banned or restricted by other major social media platforms in the wake of that January 6th episode in at the Capitol. And uh, his former campaign manager, this Brad Parscale, is fairly wealthy, fairly successful guy, in particularly in tech. So he's created a new email distribution system through one of his companies to distribute Trump's statements because the uh, 2020 campaign's email infrastructure has also been suspended by this vendor, Campaign Monitor, they're called. So according to two people familiar with the matter, uh, Bloomberg News is reporting that they're going ahead full steam, going back to being very public. So we'll see what happens. But people close to Trump said that he will he has plans to support primary challenges to Republicans whom he believes wronged him in the wake of the election defeat. The politicians include Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Representative Liz Cheney from uh, a Republican from Wyoming. They have not mentioned, but I would mention that included on that list of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump the first time, not the one that's underway today, but the first time, that list included Washington State's Jamie Herrera Butler and Dan Newhouse. So maybe they should be aware that they may have some some kind of opposition in the primary next time around. Maybe they are not planning to run for office next time around. But the president has not commented publicly on this Senate impeachment trial that's going to be started next month, but they ceremoniously walked over yesterday the articles of impeachment. Nancy Pelosi apparently has always wanted to be in a parade, so she creates her own. She did the same thing the last time. She tried to destroy him and get rid of him. But anyway, the statement announcing this new office was issued about an hour before the House Democrats ceremoniously walked across the Capitol yesterday to deliver to the Senate an article of impeachment against the former president. One single article. So that's kind of where things are today. But in the meantime, President Biden, boy, he's doing what he said he would do so far. I don't know if he's remembering that he said it or if someone is reminding him, but he's doing what he said he would do. Yesterday, he signed an executive order that repeals President Trump's ban on transgenders serving in the military. I wouldn't mention it, except it's a big deal. They're making it a big deal. People are celebrating and weeping in the streets in some of the cities across America. America's strength, he said. I'm quoting President Biden. America's strength is found in diversity. No, it's not. Our founders knew where our strength was. First and foremost, our strength is found in God Almighty. William O. Douglas and others, who weren't necessarily or not at all Christian, they said that in ruling after ruling after ruling, clear into the 50s in my lifetime, in your lifetime. They said our strength comes from God, and they said it in so many different ways. But no, no, no. Today, our strength comes from diversity. Our own founders would disagree. Biden says his military advisors told him it would not affect U.S. military readiness one little bit. Well, back in 2017, when Trump announced the ban would be restricted or reinstated, 
He said, after consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. He immediately was called homophobic and so on. But is that homophobic or is it common sense? Why have we abandoned common sense? On Sunday, Reuters News Service reported that President Biden would announce Monday that he was repealing Trump's ban on transgender serving in the military. And he kept his word. Yesterday he did it. They were right. Reuters said there are about 1.3 million people serving in the U.S. military, but they said no numbers are available as to how many are transgender. Well, that's actually not true, uh, with all due respect to Reuters News, who's been around longer than I have been. There, there are about 15,000, by several accounts, serving in the military. So 1.3 million people serving in our U.S. military, 15,000 are transgender, so what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, first and foremost, principally, it's a big deal. After Trump was advised by his military advisors, including generals and so on, in 2017, here's what they told him. Trump said, quote, our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. President Biden stressed to the press yesterday in his release, the U.S. military thrives when it is composed of diverse Americans. He said an inclusive military strengthens our national security. Yeah, and it makes it makes education a lot better too, doesn't it? Have you noticed how education has just kept improving and improving and improving as they put layers and layers and layers from Planned Parenthood and abortion advocacy and now from the homosexual advocacy, LGBTQ people. They're pushing this their agenda on our kids younger and younger. They're now pushing it into preschool. And gender dysphoria? They're creating it in the minds of little kids who are not prepared to hear that. Yeah, he's right. This, it, it, it's the right thing to do. It's in our national interest. It is not in our national interest, and I'm not saying this from a biased point of view. I'm a, an ordained pastor. I've been my entire adult life. This is not about anger towards somebody because of their sexual behavior. It's about concern from me and I think millions of other people in America who believe the same as I do, that this is destructive. Do those people have a right to live as they want to live? Yes, they do. In America, we're a free country. Thank God for America. They can practice whatever sexual behavior they want to practice. But can they impose it on our nation? No, they should not. And that is not the strength of this nation. The strength of this nation is a reliance upon Almighty God. And every single founder of this nation said so. And many have said so since since the founding of the nation. But I will tell you, we've reached a time today, and that's part of why I am motivated at this point in my life to do what we do here. I understand I'm not talking to the world, but I'm talking to you and others. And we have a growing audience, and with God's help, it'll grow more. This is not right. It is destructive. This is a mirror image where we are today in America of where Rome was as it began to decline. I've studied the rise and fall of the Roman Empire with great interest over the years because I was interested as a pastor. That was part of the sermons that I preached over time. 
It was part of my own life experience, my own personal beliefs, biblical beliefs. Every time that people go where we're going now, they push the destruction button. Because you cannot do what we're doing now and what Biden is doing now. And I'm not picking on Biden. No, I didn't vote for him. But he is our president. And I have and will pray for him. I do. But I am saying, and whatever the consequence of this is, I'm saying that you cannot do what he's doing without walking down a path of destruction. And it's only a matter of how far will God allow these people to go with their piece by piece by piece deconstruction of America. Barack Obama called it remaking America. And that's exactly what it is. Ryan T. Anderson has written a lot about this. He's with Heritage Foundation. He wrote an article more recently about it, but he wrote a book a while back as well. And I want to talk to you a little bit from the book and the article that he wrote. I've never met Ryan Anderson. I know some of the people at Heritage Foundation. I've never met him, but I have a great deal of of, um, respect and admiration for what he writes. He has a very clear view of what's going on in our country and uh, what we're seeing particularly today as they are deconstructing the moral structure of what has made America the great nation that it is. And he gives five reasons why transgender accommodations aren't compatible with military readiness. And they're common sense, but they're true. He says the policy was originally President Obama's, the one now that Biden has reinstated. Biden is just like the third term of Obama light. I mean, further left, he's not as well, he's not as capable as Obama in moving people and so on, but he's walking the same path. He said the mission of our armed forces is winning wars and protecting the nation. Ryan T. Anderson says, yeah. I mean, who doesn't know that? Well, about half the country doesn't seem to know it. So any personnel policy must prioritize readiness and mission, critical readiness first. In his book, it's titled, When Harry Becomes Sally. And he's responding to the transgender moment. And he wrote the book a few years ago, but it's as relevant as anything that's out there today. But he said, the best biology, psychology, and philosophy conclude that sex is a biological reality. And that gender is the social expression of that reality. And then he talks about, he said, 41% of people who identify as transgender will attempt suicide at some point in their lives compared to 4.6% of the general population. He said, and people who have had transition surgery are 19 times more than the average to die by suicide. He says, Obama's policy, now Biden's policy, ignore the reality that placing individuals who might be at risk for suicide or other psychological injury in the more stressful situation imaginable, the most stressful uh, situation imaginable, the battlefield is reckless. And he gives five reasons. The privacy of service members. Number two, that all service members remain combat ready. Number three, that all service members be held to the same physical fitness standards instead of the cockamamie rules they have now. He talks about the scarce taxpayer monies that will be expended on costly and controversial sex reassignment therapies and the medical judgment, conscious rights, and religious liberty of military doctors, chaplains, commanding officers, and fellow service members. 
Well, we're out of time today, but thank you so much for being with me. And, hey, we need your support. We do. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. See you tomorrow.